So, hey, good morning. I'm glad you're here. My name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors, and uh, glad you're here. If you're a guest, thanks for being here. If you're not a guest, thanks for being here. So, glad you're all here. Uh, we've got a lot of great stuff going on. Josh mentioned the Christmas around town. We've got baptisms coming up today, so that's pretty exciting. We've got Graham Edmondson as our uh, live scriber today again. Nice hand for Graham, please. It's good. He thinks this is his church. It is. Yeah, right on. That's good. Let me tell you some things that are coming and, and some stuff that's going on. We're going to do something. So today, today is daylight savings time end. That's not the right, best way to say it. This is the, anyway, you, you got the idea, right? How many of you are here at eight o'clock in the lobby hanging out going, what's going on? <laughs> no, you don't have to raise your hand. That's all right. We, we know that's how it goes sometimes. We decided to take this moment in our, you know, annual calendar and say, let's, let's do something different. So we're going to change up our Saturday night gatherings a little bit. And I know you're like, no, I come on Sunday morning. Mm, but you might want to come on Saturday for the next few weekends. From now through like New Year's, we're going to do something called Fall Into Saturdays. We're going to do unplugged, not unplugged, but acoustic music. We're going to do fire pits outside. We learned some things through our 30 and 30, uh, day, 30 parties and 30 days thing. We're like, hey, it's fun just getting around a fire pit and, and hanging out. So on Saturday nights from now through New Year's, we're going to have a, a hot cocoa and hot cider bar outside on Saturday nights. Sound good? And uh, some other good stuff like that, a lot of great fun and, and uh, celebration. So if you ever want to check out Saturday night and join us over there, uh, that's going to be a great thing, okay? So that's going, let's see, we've been talking about the book of Matthew and his story of Jesus' life, per- particularly his perspective, that the kingdom of heaven tends to sneak up on us. The kingdom of heaven tends to surprise us when we encounter it in this world. And so we've been bringing out every now and then through this series what we call the Box of Surprises. And a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, in the box of surprises, we had gift cards, $100 gift cards to Trader Joe's. And we gave them to people at Lakeside. We said, this is not for you. This is for you to surprise somebody else. And so one of our recipients of the Trader Joe's gift card that week uh, has a teenage mom who was a co-worker at their job. And so she, had, she took the card to that co-worker and said, you, I'm sure you need food for your, you and your family. So here, here's this. And, you know, she's like, Oh, that's amazing. And then one of our other recipients of the gift card uh, is a school teacher. She teaches middle school. Yeah. She, anybody teach middle school here? Any middle school teachers? So yeah, some, right? Yeah. Okay. It's like, yeah, way to go, man. That's, that's amazing. And uh, so she took that $100 gift card and added 100 bucks of her own money. And so she had a $200 party for the teachers at her school that she works with. And uh, yeah, so they're, they're like, what's this about? And she said, it's because the kingdom of heaven sneaks up on you. <laughs> it's like, right on. That's really good stuff. So a lot of great stuff going on for that. Many of you know we've been giving money over the last few weekends toward fire recovery down in Santa Rosa. And we've got some sister churches down there. And so we're teaming up with them. We're going to send some money in soon to them. And I think we've collected just about, just shy of $20,000 that we're going to send into this fund to help churches down there. And what we're going to do is that, that money is going to go to churches who are in the area, in the neighborhoods, and they're going to decide how to use it to bless people in their community. Those churches are also organizing something where they are trying uh, to connect families who have been burned out with churches outside the area like ours so that we can sponsor a family. We can engage with one family, maybe go down and do cleanup work together, those kinds of things. So we may take a family or two in the near future 
And if you're interested, you're like, hey, I'd, I'd like to get boots on the ground there and really help out in a practical way. If you just want to w- write on your Connect card, fire help. Uh, we'll just make a list of everyone who's interested in doing that. And when it comes to it, then we'll um, send some teams down to help out. All right? Good deal? Any questions? All right, let's pray together, and then we're going to uh, look into Scripture, okay? Father in heaven, thanks so much for who you are and what you're doing among us. Uh, it's so beautiful to see the way you're working among us and into our community with Christmas around town, the, the amazing gifts that creates for families in our community who have needs, and they just don't have as much as some others. And so thank you for the privilege of doing that. Lord, for the privilege of serving some people who have been burned out of their homes there in Santa Rosa. Uh, It's a terrible ordeal that they're going through, and to be able to come alongside of them is a gift from you. And so thank you for the generosity of our people uh, to do that. Uh, Lord, through the the box of surprises and, and just tangible ways in which the kingdom of heaven sneaks up on us, that's just so great. So thank you for all those things. Uh, today, we get to look into your scripture, and we get to hear your story a little bit more, and so I pray for every one of us. We all come from different places this week. Our journeys have been different. For some of us, we've been in a great spot. For some of us, we've been in disasters of our own. Uh, some of us have been walking with you for a long time. Some of us are brand new to you, so we've got all these different places we're coming from, and we want to come together to your story and your life, and we want your life to connect to ours. So that's our desire today. Lord, open your book to us. Uh, We open our heart to you, and we seek you out through Jesus. Amen. Okay, so did you see the World Series this week? Yeah? How was it? (laughs) A bunch of Giants fans in the room. I I see that's what that was. Uh, Did you see Kate Upton at the World Series? You know who Kate Upton is? She's Justin Verlander's fiance. She's a model. I, guess. I think she's famous because she's a model, but I think she's famous because she's Justin Verlander's fiance. He's a pitcher on the Houston Astros, so she's wearing like a shirt. With... So did you see her? Maybe yes, no? Okay. Did you see this guy? Do you know who that guy is? Nobody does. Nobody does because he's not a big shot, right? So, so Kate Upton, she's a big shot because she's a model and she, she's going to marry a baseball star. You know, she's like... But nobody knows who the other guy is. Now, I don't know what they're looking at because they're not looking at the field. They're looking up in the stands somewhere. But I know what that guy's thinking. Don't you? He's like, I'm at the World Series sitting next to Kate Upton. It's like, I have arrived. That's what he's thinking. And I'm, and I'm on TV. You know, that's what he's thinking. Did you see Rob Lowe and Stephen A. Smith hanging out together at the World Series? You didn't see that? Yeah, they, there they were. They were hanging out together. Did you see this guy? <laughs> I'm at the World Series with Rob Lowe and Stephen A. Smith, man. This is great. This is great because I'm not a big shot, but I'm hanging with the big shots. And that's just a beautiful thing. And so it's so interesting when I watch the big sporting events and I see the producers. So in this case, Fox Sports, they're, they're producers. They're spotting all these celebrities around the stadium. And throughout the game, they kept showing pictures of the celebrities sitting in the front row, standing on the dugout. I've been behind the dugout before. If I put my Coke on the dugout, some usher comes and yells at me, get that off the the dugout. And these guys, they get to stand on the dugout because they're celebrities, because they're big shots. And one goes, ooh. And so the guys at Fox Sports, like, we want to show the big shots on television because everybody wants to see them, I guess. 
It's, it's interesting that in our world we have something called big shots. It's interesting in our world we have something called celebrities. It's interesting in our world that we have something called stars, whether they're rock stars or movie stars or baseball stars. or We have stars in our world, and, and everyone wants to see them, and some people aspire to be them or to be like them or to hang out in their aura or whatever, whatever that is all about. And it's interesting because it's not just relegated to the world of sports or movies or entertainment or music. In every area of life, there are people that want to be big shots. There are people that like want to be stars. They want to be, they want to be great in their field. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with being great in your field. If you're an engineer, you ought to be a really good engineer. You know, if you're an airline flight attendant, you ought to be the, the best airline flight attendant you can be. That, there's nothing wrong with that. But we have this thing that says, I want, to be the, I want to be the best and I want everyone to know it. Jesus' disciples struggled with this. So we've been talking about Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. And some things happen in Jesus' story where we get surprised by what heaven does and what heaven sometimes doesn't do. If you have your Bible today, I want to look at a story in Matthew 18. And uh, we're going to tell us a couple stories from Matthew 18 and, and chapter 19 as well. So if you have your Bible, pull it out and find Matthew 18. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, you've got your smartphone with you, you can look it up in there on the app called YouVersion. And we've got some notes for you in there if you want to follow along with that. That's great. Or you can just listen. That's fine as well. Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 1, says this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. I love that story starts with these words, at that time. Now, when you're reading through the Bible on your own and you come to a phrase that says, at that time, what should your question be? At what time? Good, you've been paying attention. That's, that's how you interpret the Bible. It's like, well, at what time? We just got to back up to chapter 17 and go, at that time. Well, we looked at 17 last week. Chapter 17 told that story about Jesus' transfiguration where he sort of peeled back his humanity a little bit and let his glory as God shine through. And his disciples, Peter and James and John, got to see that. And they were amazed. And Moses and Elijah showed up. And that was even more amazing. There's all this amazing stuff that goes on. And the disciples, Peter and James and John, they're like, we've arrived. We are big shots. We got to see that. Matthew didn't get to see it. Bartholomew didn't get to see it, but we got to see it. We are, we are big. In this Jesus thing, we are big. And you know their heads were swelling from how great that experience was. Well, on the way back down the mountain, and then, and then beginning from that time on, Jesus began to teach his disciples some things differently than what he'd been saying so far up until that point. Up until that point, he'd been saying to people, the kingdom of heaven is near, the kingdom of heaven is near, and they've been learning something about that. But now he begins to describe the kingdom of heaven differently and how it's going to be impacted by his death and his resurrection. And not a natural death, an execution. He told his disciples what was going to happen was he was going to die on a cross by execution. And then on the third day, he would rise again. 
And you'd think that kind of a message would sink into the disciples. You'd think they would, they would start going, oh, that's different. Oh, that's heavy. Oh, we don't know what. And what's that resurrection thing? We don't get any of this. You'd think they'd be asking questions about that. And so fascinating, you come to chapter 18 at that time, and you get the disciples gathered, all 12 of them now gathered around Jesus, and their question is this, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, that's not a bad question in and of itself, right? Because when you're asking who's the greatest in any field, what you're trying to find out is what are the values in that field? What are the things that are important in that field? So who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You're trying to find out maybe what the values are in the kingdom of heaven. And the person that lives that out is the one who's the greatest. So it's not a bad question. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? But in this case, at least, it's not a generic question either. It's not like they're asking in general, like, hey, Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They're asking this. Among the 12, pick one. Who's the greatest? It was personal and it was competitive. It was like, I want to be the greatest. And they all had reasons why they thought they were the greatest. You know, John, John the, the, the disciple, he's the one in his own gospel, the gospel of John. He said, I'm the one that Jesus loved. Like, and proud of it, aren't you, John? I mean, it's like, wow. And, and of course, James could have said, yeah, but I'm his big brother. You know, and, and, and Peter could have said, well, I'm the spokesman. And Andrew could have said, yeah, but I brought you. Matthew could have said, you're reading my book. It's got my name on it. So they all thought they had some reason. We're like, I'm the greatest. And they come to Jesus. They circle up on him. They go, what do you say, Jesus? Which, which one of us is the greatest? They totally missed everything Jesus has been doing up until then. They want to know which one of those guys was the greatest. They think they're all the celebrities in Jesus' World Series. And so Jesus... Jesus kind of breaks up the circle, and he brings in a little child. We don't know how big this child was, but he was not a teenager. He was a little child is the description that Matthew gives. He brings this little child in, stands the child in front of them, and and says to the disciples, unless you change and become like little children, you will not even enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you change, that's a word that that describes direction. Unless you change, you're on a course, and unless your course changes and you become like a little child, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. you you got to change course. What Jesus is suggesting is this. The natural course of a human life leads us away from heaven. The natural course of a human life leads us away from heaven. Now, that's, that's, that's weird thinking to many people because most of us think that everybody goes to heaven. I mean, I've been to lots of funerals in my life. I've officiated lots of funerals in my life. I've never come to one where someone went, you know, that guy went to hell. That never happens at a funeral. You know, probably it's kind, it's kind that that doesn't happen, but like everybody's got this perspective. That's where we go. But Jesus is suggesting to his disciples, these are the ones he cho- he's chosen to follow after him. He goes, look, unless you change direction, unless you change course, the path you're on is not leading you toward heaven. Unless you change and become like a, like a little child, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Which I find that's just a fascinating thing because have you ever known a little child? What... what you tell me, what are the features of a two-year-old? You want to talk about it? How many of you ever had a two-year-old living in your house? Yeah. 
Did your two-year-old living in your house ever like do one of those fit things? Did your two-year-old ever do one of those tantrum things? You know, on the floor, pounding their fists, kicking their feet. Did they ever do that? Why did you teach them that? You laugh because you're like, oh, I didn't teach them that. Well, no, you probably never got on the floor, but somehow they figured out tantrums are interesting. They, they throw them, and, you know, is that what Jesus is saying? Hey, unless you guys become like little children and throw fits on the floor, is that what he's saying? There's something about that child and the child's stature that makes him or her different. Guarantee you, when Jesus put that child in the middle of that ring that day, the child was the smallest one there. The child looked up to everybody in the circle. Everybody looked down on the child. And in fact, in that generation, they all looked down on the child. In that generation, children were nothing. Children were not accepted in culture. Kind of like when I was a child and they had that, they had that old phrase, you know, like, children should be seen and not heard. You know, that, and it was worse for the disciples in that generation. So Jesus says, unless you change and become like a little child you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven unless you change course and become like a child that word become is the word literally that means to be born again the apostle john's the one who used the phrase you must be born again but here's matthew recording jesus saying a similar thing when he says you must change direction and become or be born again like a little child and some of you go yeah 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 i was born again i always i was i get this one I was born again. We're going to baptize some people in a few minutes here today. And these people are like, I've been born again. It's like, good. So you got that spiritual thing dialing in your life. But spiritual rebirth is designed to create a different life. If you think you're born again and your life never changes to follow Christ, you got to think about that birth. It's designed to make you different. It's designed so that you become like a little child. It's designed so that you take, and here's what Jesus says next, that you take the lowly position. The kingdom of heaven is not for big shots. Now, that's not to say that a big shot can't get in. But a big shot's going to have to change to get in. Because the big shot is used to everything revolving around him or her. The big shot is used to paying their way in, buying their way in, persuading their way in, selling their way in. The big shot is used to getting an angle, getting an edge, getting, an, getting a, a, a workaround. That's the big shot. And Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is not made up of those. The kingdom of heaven is made up of those who take the low position and become like a, like a child the kingdom of heaven is made of those who welcome children. It's one, of the, it's one of the reasons I'm most proud of Lakeside because we got this whole kids fest thing going on next door. And it's all about welcoming children. I talked to, I talked to Lakeside or out in the lobby this morning. Who they, they, they stop by their next door neighbor's house and they bring their neighbor's child to church with them every week. Why? It's because it's about welcoming children. It's like saying that those children matter. Our special needs ministry here at Lakeside is amazing. And I don't, I don't say this because I'm like, yeah, I did this. No, somebody else created that thing. And I just, we get to celebrate it together. And it's amazing. It's somebody saying, we're going to welcome children into the presence of Christ like they matter to him. Because they do. It's phenomenal. And it's a mark of the kingdom of heaven. 
unless you change direction and become born again like a child, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's an easy message to nod to. Apparently, it's not always an easy message to lock into. Because what happens is Matthew 18 goes along, and then there's a little bit of an interlude in Matthew 19. There's a kind of a travel log where, the pe- where Jesus and his disciples leave Galilee in the north. And they come down to Judea, and they're now across the Jordan River where John the Baptist had started this whole thing in the beginning. And now they're down in that place, and you come to Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. Look at this story. Just one chapter later. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. Good thing, right? Here's, here's some people. They brought their children. Let, let's read it. Let's read it accurately. Here's some moms who brought their children to Jesus. Dads weren't doing it. I, I know I'm reading that in a little bit to scripture, but let's just be realistic. Here's some moms who brought their children to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, would you put your hands on my child and pray for him or pray for her? Wouldn't that be great? And, of course, we, we just read chapter 18. We're like, way to go, moms. Good move. That's, just, that's exactly how it should be. And if there's a few dads in the crowd, good job, dad. It's exactly how it should be. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Which is the opposite of Welcome. And the Bible doesn't say what the disciples were thinking right then. But don't you wonder? Now, the next part I'm about to tell you, I'm making this up. This, I'm just telling you right up front so you're not confused. Like, did the Bible say that? No, the Bible doesn't say this. But don't you imagine what, don't you have to imagine what the disciples were thinking when they're saying to these moms and maybe the dads who are bringing their kids for Jesus to bless them? Don't you have to wonder what they're thinking? And I think what they're thinking is to them, while they're rebuking these parents, they're like, Jesus doesn't have time for children, and Jesus is too important for children. And, Je- and, what, and what was the moment in their head where Jesus' words from chapter 18 sunk back into their consciousness, and they decided that they should just be quiet? What was the moment when they're thinking, Jesus doesn't have time for these children? What was the moment when it dawned on them that Jesus had already said, unless you change and become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven? Verse 14, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. He stopped, he waited, he hung out with children, he put his hands on them and blessed them. And then he moved on from there. There are no big shots in the kingdom of heaven. Unless you change and become like a child, unless you take the perspective of a child, unless you take the humility of a child, the vulnerability of a child, the faith of a child, there's no room in heaven for you because your course is naturally taking you away. And then one more story. Just then, this is right right on the heels of that verse. Just then, a man came up. So Jesus just, just moved on from these moms and their little children. Just moved on from that thing with the disciples. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, 
teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Here's a guy who wants an angle. Here's a guy's like, what good thing? I want to know, just tell me, Jesus, what I have to do to get eternal life. I want to have it. I want to, I want to, get, I want to get in, whatever that's going to look like. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. But if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Now, I love this next one. Which ones? Can I just, can I, some of you, this might be an offensive word to some of you. I'm not really sure how, this, how these things go because sometimes I'll say a word and people say, you shouldn't have said that in church. But forgive me. What a dork. Which ones? Who asks which ones? When Jesus says, you've got to keep the commandments. If you want to enter life, you have to keep the commandments. What kind of person goes, which ones? I'll tell you, a big shot. A big shot who's used to cutting corners. A big shot who's used to getting invited to stand on the dugout and wave a flag during the World Series. A big shot who's got money to buy himself a way in. A big shot goes, which ones? I don't want to keep them all. Just give me, give me the most important. And Jesus sort of obliges. He, he, he gives them what the man asked. He said, which ones? And Jesus replied, well, how about this? You shall not murder you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Which ones? Jesus goes, well, how about commandments 6, 7, 8, 9, and 5, and Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. How about those just for starters? Verse 20, all these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? I'm like, I don't know, Humility. I don't know, self-awareness. All these I've kept. What do I still lack? Jesus dialed in and answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. The normal course of a human life leads us away from heaven he went away sad because he was a big shot and he was used to getting his way and what he wanted and he didn't want to do it this way and jesus dialed right in on the thing that kept him a big shot but kept him out of heaven Jesus didn't say that to all of his disciples. He didn't say to all of his disciples, you got to sell everything, give it to the poor and come follow me. He did ask his disciples to follow him, but he didn't give them all the same way of doing that because he knew what that one thing was for each person that was keeping them separate from God because that one thing had become God for them. And Jesus knew what it was. And this man knew what it was. And now he was sad and he went away because he didn't want to change and become like a child. Verse 23, then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. 
See, the, the viewpoint in that generation was that if you had wealth, you had the blessing of God on your life. And if you had the blessing of God on your life, you must be in line for heaven. You must be in, you must be aligned with the kingdom of heaven if God's already got his blessing on you. And so when Jesus said it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven, the disciples were like, oh no, if they don't get in, we don't know who gets in. Jesus said, with man this is impossible. With God everything's possible. Because it takes God to change your heart. It takes God to change your direction. And God is willing if we surrender to him. If we say, okay, God, I'm in. I want my life to be changed. I want my course to be changed. I'm in. He goes, it's possible for you. It happens by faith. It happens by following after Jesus by faith. But Jesus, if you invite him into it, Jesus is going to redirect your life. Jesus is going to redirect the course of your life. He's going to redirect your path. And for the rich man, he said, it's about your riches. They're getting in the way because they make you think you're a big shot. But for the disciples, it wasn't about their riches. It was about their attitude that said, we're better than you because we are close to Jesus. We're big shots because we're in the inner circle. And sometimes we in our generation get in that same boat because we go, we're, we're followers of Jesus. We're big shots. We're in the inner circle with Jesus. What Jesus is telling this rich young man and what Jesus is telling his disciples and what Jesus is telling us is you never become a big shot in heaven until your heart beats like heaven's heart beats. And whatever that thing is that keeps your heart from beating like God's heart beats is the thing that Jesus wants to move out of the way. And for some it might be arrogance, for some it might be pride, for some, of it it might, for some people it might be wealth, for some people it might be position in the world. What is that thing that keeps you from changing course, changing direction, so that you're on the path that Jesus is on? Jesus, I pray for us today that you would work in us in ways that you are prone to do, in ways that you are eager to do. Lord, it matters to us that we are in your kingdom. It matters to us that we are uh, following you into this kingdom that you set up for us. But Lord, for all of us, there's something that blocks that path. There's something in that path that steers us away from you. Sometimes we'd rather hang on to our wealth than hang on to you. Sometimes we'd rather hang on to our position than to hang on to you. So I just pray for all of us that we would let go of that thing that distracts us from you and we would hang on to you. Lord, thank you. We seek you out together as your church. We celebrate what's coming in these baptisms because these are people that have said, Jesus, I'm all in with you. So thank you for them. Bless them. Bless all of us as we celebrate together. Jesus, thank you. Amen.